in his presence today, we can get direction. In his presence, we can get correction. In his presence, wisdom can come. Amen. Hope and purpose can be found in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. As you're being seated today, greet your neighbor. Tell him I'm glad you're sitting by me. Glory to God. Last week I started a message entitled, I'm coming through this. I want to speak from that foundation today. If you have your Bibles, you can go to, with me to Joshua chapter 3 verse number four, and then we'll turn over to chapter five in Joshua, reading verses five through nine. The Bible says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, talking about the ark, and about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. The original translation says that you have not passed way before. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 9. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war came out of Egypt were uh, consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he had would give us the land flowing with milk and honey. And then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed and then the Lord said to Joshua this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you therefore the name of the place will be called Gilgal to this day amen may God bless the reading of his word this morning I believe that God is a God that knows what he wants and what he is doing I don't believe in accidents, coincidences, or chances, but when it comes to the plan of God for our lives, the Bible declares to us the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. I believe God has a predestined course of action he, for our lives. I believe that God has predetermined our lives, called us to ministry. He knows what he wants us to become. He told Jeremiah in chapter 1 and verse 5 that I know you and the thoughts that I have toward you and a plan and an expected end. Amen. So there are, I know there's this theology of predestined in the fact that you're either predestined to heaven or hell, but the scripture is very clear that he has predestined us to become like the Son of God. And so that is his purpose, and then he has plans for all of us. It is uh, Moses is an example of that. His name, Moses, means drawn out. It describes his birthing process. As long as he was dwelling all through his life, he was the one that was being drawn out. We uh, hear preaching from Hebrews chapter 11 and about the hall of faith and all the characters that are there. There is Abel and there is Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses. But, but his parents exhibited great faith in doing what they did. And they were also inductees into the hall of fame of faith. 
In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, it said, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months by his parents because they saw he was a, a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Pharaoh's daughter finds him in the, the bush, in the, the little basket, and draws him out of the water, brings him into her house, and now he raises him up so that he can, in return, draw God's people out of Pharaoh's bondage. Amen? He was separated from a slave-like uh, circumstance through a sequence of events that God had already orchestrated the affairs and the set times that he would be set in a place for a particular purpose. This is something we need to understand. Only God can take a mess and cause something good to come out of it. He can take the bad and make it good. He can take the negative and cause it to be a positive because he said in Romans 28 or 8 and 28 that he can cause all things to work together for the good to them that are called uh, according to his purpose. Amen. And so that's what God did for Moses. He brought him out of slavery and that place of bondage and, and brought him into the palace of Pharaoh. Now, if you don't think that God has a sense of humor, you just need to read this story. The very one that the enemy is trying to kill, God would raise up and bring into the enemy's house and cause Pharaoh's daughter to take care of the one that would be the promise to deliver them. That he would take care of him and cause Pharaoh to put clothes on his back, feed him good food, teach him proper etiquette, teach him how to do a thing, teach him how to lead, gave him the best education that was available, right? And all of this was paid by Pharaoh, the very one that was trying to oppress God's plan and purpose from coming about. Amen. You see, today God caused him to be groomed. He exposed him to things in order to prepare him for the task that was before him. And as a result... Of his exposure, Moses would experience uh, things that would help him to lead three million people through a desert. Amen. He killed an Egyptian, as you know. They buried him in the sand. He fled for his life and he spent 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd. God was developing a mindset and a mentality in Moses that would withstand the heat and the pressure that would come in the face of Pharaoh and in face of his adversary so that whenever he would be uh, confronted, he would not be intimidated, neither would he collapse underneath the pressure because Moses didn't go into Pharaoh's court saying, uh, sir, I'm just here today wondering if you could you could maybe excuse us for a few moments so that we could have a meeting over here for no no he said I come to you today and not thus saith the Lord let my people go amen and some of you have been exposed to great pressure and you've been in stressful situations because God is wanting to build you up so that you can understand that there is a defense mechanism already on the inside of you so that when you face future pressure that comes against your life, you'll not fold in and collapse, but you'll stand up on the great stage of life and say, greater is he that is in me than all the things of the world that comes against me. If you believe that, give him some praise right here today. See, God can prepare us now for what is to come. He prepared David for Goliath, right? You know the story, he would fight a Goliath, but he did not, that was not the first fight he was ever in. David would go and fight, fight the lion. And he would face the bear. 
And because he had already had battle, because he had already been through some things, when he faced his Goliath, he was not worried or uh, consumed with the, the pressure of the big stage. He knew what it was to take on a lion when no one was looking. He knew what it was to take out a bear whenever everything seemed against him and all he had was his bare hands. But I, you cannot despise the day of small beginnings because what God has you doing today is merely preparation for where God is going to take you and the greater is yet to come. Nudge your neighbor and tell him greater is yet to come. Through a mighty hand of God brought the slaves out of bondage after 430 years. Think about that. 430 years of bondage and God used the frogs and the lice and the hail and the fire. He used the death angel that would go by and, and it would destroy the firstborn of those who is not underneath the blood. But the Bible said that he brought them out on angels or eagles wings. Amen. He brought them out on eagle's wings. You know when God gets ready to bring you out, it don't take a, 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 a council to, to talk to. It doesn't talk to take a group of people. He doesn't have to go and work here and manipulate this. He can bring you out in a hurry. When God gets ready to bring you through a thing, it doesn't take him a long time to bring about what he has promised in your life. But when the time is right, when the set time has come, then God is able to release into your life everything that he has promised you in the fullness of time. You see, it wasn't an even Jesus himself could not be released until the fullness of time. But when the fullness of time had come, no devil could stop Jesus from coming and I want to tell you today that there may be the promise of God over your life that seems like that you're still in a wondrous, wonder, uh, wilderness wandering but the reality of it is that there's a fullness of time that will come for each and every one of us and when it comes God will release his promise upon our lives amen I don't think the hard thing was God getting Israel out of Egypt. I think the hard thing was is God getting Egypt out of Israel. They still had us after they God brought them out, they still had a slave mentality. It was not in their flesh, it was in or in and physical, it was mental. And even though they were not in bondage any longer, they still had a sense of insecurity. Because you see, the, the reality of it was is they got, they got secure in their insecurity. They got secure in the place of poverty. They got, they, even though they was in bondage, they had this sense of security that they were taken care of. They didn't have no freedom but they had, they had food, they had clothes, they, they were given shelter. And so they got comfortable in this place of a slavery situation. But you, you, you'd be surprised how many people become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. You'd be surprised at the people that do it all the time. They get comfortable being lukewarm in God. They get comfortable in their doubt. They get comfortable in poverty. They get comfortable in sickness or even sin or, if you will, the desert. Amen. Have you noticed that often when God wants to better us, we rebel all because we like our comfort zone. We don't want to leave the here even though the here might be a mess. Even though here might be a poverty, even though here may be sin, even though here may be lukewarmness, we have got comfortable in this situation and we don't want to leave our here. Amen. God has a terrible time getting us delivered because he want, we want to cleave to that that we ought to be willing to release. We want to hold on to something, not because it's good for us, but because we're used to it. Amen. 
God could get them out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of Israel. Their point of reference always was what was behind them. They were always talking about what was behind them, going back to what they came out of. How many times did they grumble, complain, and say, we should have stayed where we were. We were better off back there. They would say these things. I want you to understand today. He said, as a man thinketh in his heart. And even though God delivered them by a mighty hand and they were physically now out of Egypt, their heart was still in Egypt. Their thinking was still in Egypt. They still had the mindset of a captive slave. They still had the bondage in their hearts. And they was thinking about leeks and garlic. And, and whenever God had a table prepared for them of abundance. And God wants to get us out of our, our the situation of our minds. He wants to bring us out of the slavery mindset, if you will. But until we get our minds free, we'll never be free free in our bodies amen their bodies were out of slavery but their minds were still in captivity as long as the enemy can keep you bound in your mind you'll never be free in your life I'm going to say that again as long as the enemy can keep you bound in your mind You'll never be free in your life. But I also want to turn that today and tell you that you can be bound in your life. But if you can get free in your mind. Come on somebody. I'm preaching better than you letting on today. Amen. I said if you can get free in your mind, it doesn't matter how bound you are in your body, how much hell has come against you. If you get free in your mind, your body is going to follow. Everything in your life is going to follow. And so you've got to get free in your mind. And when you get free in your mind, you can just go ahead and get you a party hat and get you a whistle while you're at it. Because, baby, you're about to come out of what you have been in. And if you believe it, give him some praise today. Hallelujah. You see, as long as the enemy can keep you bound in your mind, you can change zip codes. You can change the, the, the clothes that you wear. You can pay more money for your car and your clothes. But if your, your mind is bound, you're always going to stay in a place of bondage. Amen. Some folks would like to be free. They're tired. They're, they've tried to get free, but they're still captive in their thinking. You're a prisoner in your own mind. In the back of your mind, you can't get free from your past. You can't get free from what you've been through. You can't get free from what's been done to you. You can't get free from all the situations or the things that have been done or is done to your life. And because you are connected to your past in your mind, even though that you can get free in your flesh or in your body, it pulls you back to the place where that you constantly are staying. And so I want to tell you that you can go no further ahead than what you are in your mind. Amen. If we can keep you a slave in your mind, then he doesn't have to worry about anything else. If he can keep you a slave in your mind, it doesn't matter how much money you got in your pocket, what kind of school that you go to, you will never be loosed. But the same token today that if you get free in your mind, then everything else in your life will come become free. Amen. That's why God uses the foolishness of preaching. If you can get under good Holy Ghost preaching, anointed preaching, it will that preaching will preach your mind free. It will cause you to understand that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Glory to God. Your mind is out. It's the only thing that matters until your body comes out. Then your children will be in bondage. Your finances will be in bondage. Everything in your life will be in bondage. But when you hear the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it begins to set your mind free, and you say there is therefore now 
no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that I am more I'm not a head I'm the head and not the tail I am a conqueror in Jesus when it gets your mind free you'll begin to walk in that anointing and that power and it'll bring everything in your life out hallelujah glory to God you see in the wilderness Israel was constantly on the move God gave them a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night amen I believe if my memory serves me correctly 443 times the cry would come from Moses as he would say God is moving And what that meant was the cloud was about to move. Amen. And they had a few short hours to pack up their tents, get everything ready, and begin to move. Because they they could have said, we don't want to go. They could have said, we're going to stay right here. They could have said, we're comfortable where we're at. But the reality of it is, they was comfortable where they was at because God is there. But now God is moving. I declare to you that our God is still a God that's on the move. He's always moving. And you don't have to do anything to backslide, but stay right where you're at. I didn't think I'd get any help right there. Amen. Backsliding doesn't mean that you you give up, quit, and leave. Because you see, folks don't backslide. I know some folk don't believe in backsliding. But it don't matter if you believe in it or not. You can do it. Amen. And you don't do it one day whenever you say, I don't think I'm going to go to church no more. I don't, I'm not going to serve God anymore. What happens is, is you backslide sitting on good church of God pews. You do it over time. You get comfortable sitting right in the house of God, becoming complacent in a spirit of apathy and complacency that comes upon your life. And you just get satisfied with the mundane and you don't, you don't hunger for his presence or his anointing or his word. And, and you can just go through and be satisfied. And day after day, week after week, until you find yourself where there is no desire whatsoever for the things of God. It happens because we are not moving. Thank God for when we got saved and we started moving with God. But the reality of it is, is God is constantly moving. And so if I'm not moving with Him, then I get there's a greater gulf. There's a greater distance between me and Him. It's called backsliding. Amen. And so I must continually, progressively read after his word, have a prayer life, have a study life, have an appetite for the things of the spirit. Because if I am going to stay under the cloud, if I'm going to stay where the fire is, then I've got to keep on constantly, perpetually moving, praise God, being progressive in my relationship. And if I will do that, then the spirit of God will continually move upon the face of my sin. Situation, and I will see him at work in my life. Amen. See, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and that's why it's dangerous to build mon- monuments because God's, God is not a monument, He's a movement. And just because we have experienced Him somewhere in our lives, we don't build a monument there. Amen. We thank him for it. We can even declare, amen, that this is Bethel. But we don't stay there. We keep moving with the cloud. We keep moving with the fire. And one of the greatest problems in the church is that we've unpacked and we've set up camp and we're no longer in sync with the move of the Spirit. And we've said we have come here and we've celebrated what God has done, but we've made it a monument when it's supposed to be a movement. Amen. And God's on the move and He's constantly moving. And if we're not careful, all we'll have is a bunch of monuments without no power, without no fire, without the anointing of God upon our lives amen in spite of all the miracles and the display 
that God showed the children of Israel, they still had doubt, hesitation. Amen? He sent out 12 spies and 10 of them came back with an evil report. I mean, no, if that had been a church vote, they wouldn't have gotten nowhere. Ten of them came back with an evil report. All they seen was grasshoppers, giants, and were not able. Amen? We're grasshoppers. There's giants, and we're not able. That's the report of ten of them that came back. After all that God had done, and all they could see was giants, we looked like grasshoppers. Huh? And we're not able. After everything, I know I, I sound like I'm repeating myself because I am. After everything God had done, and now all they seen was giants, we're like grasshoppers, and we're not able. To doubt him, to doubt God is to put a blemish on his reputation. It's an insult to his character. It's to suggest that he will not do what he promised he was going to do. Amen. It's not to make him out to be a liar. It's unbelief in the highest form that we slander God when we doubt that he's able to do what he said he would do. In Psalm 78 and verse 41, he said, Yea, they've turned their back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from Egypt. They, in other words, developed amnesia. They forgot what God had already. Let me ask you something today. Can you remember what God's done for you? Can you remember how good he's been to you? A lot of times all we can think of is a negative. Uh, all we can talk about is the doubt. All we can talk about is what we've got to overcome or what we've got to deal with. But let me ask you, how long has it been since you took pen and paper and wrote down the things that God... Well, I'm talking about things you thought you was, it, this was going to be it. You didn't know how you was going to come out of it. You, you didn't wonder, you wonder how you're going to make this happen. And God showed his mighty hand in the situation how long has it been since you wrote it down and remembered the good things of God amen you see the Bible says of David that he had a tower you remember reading that his Bible said he had a tower and it had the buckler of a thousand mighty men I don't know what you think that tower was for, but I'm telling you, I believe it was a tower to remind David of the goodness of his God. That whenever the enemy would come and he would look at the adversary and say, I don't know what I'm going to do, that old David would take a stroll over there to the tower of memory. And he would say, there's the lion's paw that I slayed. There's the bear rug that tried to destroy me and take out my father oh there is Goliath's helmet I'm going to tell you there was a thousand bucklers of a mighty man and faith would rise in his heart and he walked in there discouraged he walked in there disappointed he walked in there not knowing what he was going to do but when he came out he came out a man of faith he came out a man that said if God has done that for me then he's going to help me to slay this avenue that is before me I want you to stir up your mind of remembrance today and understand the God that brought you from your yesterday's dilemma is still the same God today that will make a way when there seems there is no way he'll turn the night into day he'll cause the crooked place to become straight he'll bring the high place low whatever days needed for you to have victory he'll even call my God cause the sun to stand still if need be to have victory in your life yeah. 
Tell your neighbor, I got a testimony. He delivered you. I don't know what he delivered you from. He might have delivered you from a mindset of all kinds of abuse and negativity spoken over your life. He might have delivered you from things of, of, of bad relationships. He may have delivered you from sin itself, crack, cocaine, whatever the mess might have been. He might have delivered you from a spirit of alcoholism. He might have delivered you from a spirit of cussing. Huh? <laughs> Glory to God. But whatever he delivered you from is a testimony against your enemy that if he'd done it before, he will do it again. Amen. Hallelujah. And all we have to do is have faith. The reason faith is essential is because the kingdom is based on a series of promises which are exceeding and great and precious promises. Promises that are yes and amen. Amen. And to receive the promise, you must have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 said, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The fact that you believe what will be, despite what you're seeing and what you're feeling, is evidence that you have faith. The problem is we're so used to explaining things and trying to help people figure out things. Amen. Because everybody wants to be able to figure it out. Rationalize it. I'm a rational person. Well, good for you. Just, just explain it to me. But I want you to understand, I, I, I'm not talking about a, 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 a hope that is not presentable. I'm talking about a hope that you have. There's some things, let me say it this way. There's some things you can't explain. You've just got to experience. Amen. Some, some things are better experienced than they are explained. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for and the things not seen. You can tell of some people once and they get it. They just get it. You, you say this, this, and they get it. And then you can tell other people for three months. You can make them charts. You can get blueprints. You can explain how this is going to benefit them. And they still say, why? Not nobody here today, you know, but I'm just saying. Why? But again, you got to get it in your spirit. You either see it or you don't. You either want it or you don't. You either believe or you don't believe. You either believe that you will or you believe that you won't. They didn't get it. They didn't want it. They didn't believe it. Hebrews chapter 9 or 4 and verse 2, the words was not mixed with faith in them that heard it, and it did not profit them. Amen? The words were not mixed with faith when they heard them, and so it did not profit them. Profit. If you talk to a business person about profit, what are they going to tell you profit is? It is, the, it is what is left after the transaction and all of the, 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 the deal has been paid for, whatever the expenses were, have been paid for. At the end of that is what is profit. And it doesn't matter how much you take in. If you don't have anything left afterwards, there's no profit. Amen? When God got finished, the Bible said they had no profit. What a frightening thought. In this age that is so profound, so powerful, ministries, the age that been exposed to more preaching of the gospel than any other people on the planet, and yet we have the potential of yielding no profit. Too many of us are bankrupt after battles. 
Too many of us go through the fire and through the trials and through the difficulty and come out on the other side with no profit. But you see, every storm that you ever go through, every difficulty you ever go through, it comes to consume the profit. It comes to consume. It comes to take away. It comes to extract from your life. But God intends when you get through this battle, when you get on the other side of the desert, when you come through the storm, that, it is, that you don't come out and barely survive and have no profit. But when you get on the other side, he intends for you to have a profit, to make a profit, to know him better than you knew him when you went in, to have more faith on the other side than when you started on this side, to stand up on the other side and say yes the storms came and the winds blew but I've still got the strength of God I have greater power amen what did the man of God say whenever he went into the old the Caleb said he said I want my promised land and he said at 80 years old he said I'm able to make war and I'm able to come in and I'm able to go out he said now therefore give me this mountain what was he doing? He was running on the prophet. He was running on the battles and the warfare of yesterdays and he had held a prophet in the bank account of his spirit and now at 80 years old he said it's time for my retirement pad. I want not this mountain, this mountain but I'll take the one that's full of giants. I'll take the why? Because the spirit of the Lord is still on me and I've got a prophet and I've got an anointing and I will prevail glory to God I want you to know today when you come on the other side of your storm you need to make a profit glory to God brother Greg I'm preaching better than they let on amen God helps us to make a profit don't let us keep getting dressed up undressed Go to church, come to church, go home from church, go through the motions, go through the rigors of religion, and at the end of it, that we still have doubt in our hearts like Israel. Amen. Their doubt destroyed them. Jude in verse 5, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them. Why? Because they wouldn't believe. And he let them die in the wilderness. I'm going to make a statement here today. You have to have a spiritual heart to hear it. But God doesn't continue doing business with things that have no profit. He'll let it die. A whole generation... With the exception of Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. Having received the promise, but yet died in the wilderness. Graveyards all over the wilderness. Only one good thing came out of it. A generation that took the limits off of God. In the midst of all that they had done, in the midst of all their packing and moving and golden calves and uh, having all these biting serpents and having these graves and these burials and and, and there was no nothing, nothing joyful to come out of it, only one ray of light that came out of it and that was the birth of a child. In the sun-drenched desert, among all the death and the life that was coming forth, babies were being born on top of the graves. And God could bless in the mess. A new generation was born in the wilderness and God's plan uh, could not be stopped. What he set into motion would come to pass. He, He would fulfill it with desert babies. Babies that were born in tough times, they they were used to pressure. 
They were born in trouble, adversity, and dilemma, and crisis, and back it was always against the wall. There was a struggle going on for their very lives. They knew what it was to have tests, and in the middle of the mess, God would show his power and his strength to them. And they didn't live in houses, but they lived in tents. They had no permanent dwelling of their own. They had no address. They were born on the move. They were used to moving light and no matter what was going on, they didn't even know who Pharaoh was. Only the thing that they knew was the fear of God. Amen. And they would go after God with their whole hearts. They didn't know anything but God. And they were orphans, but yet they knew the power of God. They trusted solely in God. His arms were there rocking them in the midst of the midnight. He was their strength. He was their shield. He was their buckler. His voice sang over them. Is there anybody here today that knows what it is in the midnight hour of your life to be rocked to sleep in the arms of God? For Him, Spirit to sing over your situation and tell you everything is going to be all right. This group of people that was born in the middle of adversity they were born survivors whether you like it or not whether you appreciate it or not one thing about it is you have to respect a survivor and that's what they were the devil tried to kill them but it didn't work everything that he tried would only go against them and they would continue to get stronger and stronger the devil thought that he would take them out but God brought them out and I'm telling you today that what the devil has said against our lives it may feel like that we're in a wilderness but if you are not born there you can be reborn there and you can rise up with the power and the anointing of God and say that I'm not going to be buried in this desert but I am going to see the promise fulfilled over my life hallelujah amen you got to have some tenacity. You got to have some you've got to have some strength. You you got to be like those weeble wobbles. May weeble and wobble but I don't fall down. Amen. You you've got to understand that that nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. That shall tribulation, shall distress, shall, shall famine, pearl, nakedness, or strife. He said, nay, in all of these things, we are made more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. Greater is he that is in us. And so don't be so quick to give up. Don't give up and give out and, and go back because there's nothing to go back to. Amen. But get your marching orders today. Look forward to the promise of God. March onward and forward and say, by his grace, I'm coming through this. Amen. Anyone here like that today, that the next step is in the promised land. If you're in the midst of the desert and you're struggling and fighting for your life, I want to tell you that one moment they was in the wilderness, but the next step they took, they stepped into the land of promise and great provision. I'm telling oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you today that God is able to turn it around in a millisecond he's able to switch your situation and your circumstance and all he needs is faith in your heart and if you begin to have faith in your heart and get free in your mind the word of the Lord over your life will begin to raise you up from whatever is a coming over your life and bring you out of the wilderness and bring you in to the place of mighty provision why because that's his promise for you said that's his promise for you say well I've never been this way before well it's so that you wouldn't get high minded and think you can know how to get it out through it never been this way before that's the way that's right where God wants you to be so you'll depend on him so you'll trust him amen Sometimes you got to be willing to walk by yourself. I'm almost done, Anthony. That's your cue. 
Amen. Sometimes you've got to learn how to walk by yourself. As much as other people love you, much as other people want to encourage you and help you, you've got to make up your mind. If none go with me, still I will follow. Huh? If none go with me, still I will follow. If none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. Amen? Because you got a made up mind. And you might have been born in a desert. You may have been born in a place of circumstances and situations that are against you. But the great promise is you can be born again. Amen. And when you're born again, that strength of God comes. He releases your mind and frees you so that you can come out of your wilderness wondering. Amen. And it won't hinder you any longer. You see, you've just got to understand that you're just turning the corner. And that's what I come to encourage somebody today is that you're just in turning the corner. You're just, you're just coming into the corner of your miracle. You're getting ready to take your labor is going to become your reward. That that, that, that that you have fought for, the prophet, the prophet is coming. Are you with me? The prophet is coming. You fought You've paid the price, but you still got some more now than you did when you started. Amen. And it's about to be released into your life exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or even think. If you thought you were here and he brought you through something, wait until you see what he's going to take you to. Wait and see what he's going to take you to because he's a great God. He, he never asks you to leave something that isn't greater than what he's taking you to. I'm almost done. Some people say, well, I, 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 know, I know it's dysfunctional. I know I'm in the desert, but I've got this, I've got that, I've got this. And I, if I leave this, I won't have nothing. God's never asked you to leave something. You can be, let me say it this way. You can be comfortable in leaving everything you have when God calls you. You can leave everything you presently have because what you're going into is going to be abundantly more than what you now have. And it doesn't matter if, if where you are spiritually, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you, what I mean by that is that you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're in that place, your mind is messed up and you think that this is the way life is going to be all the rest of your life. Christ has come to set your mind free today and you can know the joy of serving God. You can know the goodness of God today that will break every yoke off of your life and you'll be free. Or if you're serving God today and somewhere along the way you've been following the Lord but there's somewhere you're settled. Amen. You just settled in the wilderness. You settled where you were. Sometimes you don't even know that you settled until the cloud isn't there no more. And the heat gets so hot. And you look around you and say, how did I get here? Have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here? But I settled. I got complacent. And I know I've got a vivid imagination, but you, if you just give me some leeway today, I can see some of them lagging behind. I said, dear God, we're tired of moving. We got up and moved five days ago. We, we moved three days ago. Now, now we've got to get up and move again. We're tired of moving. We, we just stay here for a little while. Can you see that? Because they weren't too much more different than we are. I can promise you that. They said, we're tired of moving. We'll just stay here. And they probably got talked to a few people around them, got a few people around them to stay with them. But as the day went on, 
And that cloud continued to move away. And the heat and the pressure of the desert began to bear down on them. And they realized they had made a mistake. How many know if they gathered up their stuff and they ran, it may have caused them to be weary. They may have had to run into the night. But whenever they caught up with Israel, they never put them out. They never said, you, you can't come back. You can't. You just got to stay out now. It's too late for you. Huh? No, they were there. Embrace them. Said, we're glad you caught up. We're glad you came back to your right mind. We're glad you got your senses back. Amen. And welcome them in. That's the grace of our God. That's the love of our God. He's always welcoming us. No matter where we are in our walk with Him, if we've been following Him for, uh, uh, haven't followed Him at all, He's saying, come on, I'll release your mind. I'll free you. I'll cause your life to be profitable, victorious. Or if we've followed Him for a year and now we've found ourselves slacking, He's saying, come on, come on. Maybe it's 10 years, 20, 50 years. But whatever it is, whenever we get hungry in our hearts and we say we don't want to stay where we've been, we start running after him. He'll welcome us. And he said, come on, child, I'm going to take you through this. I'm going to give you victory on the other side. You're going to have a profit at the end of the day. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. I don't know what you sense, but I sense the heaviness of the Lord upon this service today. He's resting upon us here today. He wants to do a work in our lives, a deep work in our lives. And he'll respond to us as we respond to him. So this morning, if this word of the Lord has come to you and it's, it's touching you today, first I want to give an invitation. If there's anyone here today that's never accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, today can be the day that you can come out of that wilderness wandering and know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Brian, you know what? The Spirit of the Lord is touching me. I'm glad for the conviction of God, aren't you? I'm glad that he'll touch my heart. Some people say, well, you don't want to be convicted. I, I do. I want his Holy Spirit to convict me, not only of sin, but of righteousness. Amen. But if I'm drawing short, I want his Holy Spirit to say, come on, it's time to get up. It's time to move. It's time to run on. Amen. And today, if the Holy Spirit's touching you, you just want to say yes to his word. I want you to come today and I want the Holy Spirit to move in your life as only he can. Amen. Come on this morning. Go ahead, Anthony.